0: So you guys, this week, we are going to be looking at literally what is a defining moment in the history of the people of Israel. It's still a defining moment. It's the reason this particular plague is the reason, you guys, that we're going to be doing the Seder on April 1st. Without this plague, without this moment in history, you guys, there would be no such thing as a Seder. There would be no such thing as the Passover. So it is a very defining moment. It's a moment in history, though, that is absolutely heartbreaking it's gut-wrenching. And to be honest with you, it's difficult to bear, isn't it? To think that God would allow this, would do this, is interesting. But why did it happen? It happened, you guys, because Pharaoh was continually unwilling to yield to Yahweh. He was continually unwilling to yield. Pharaoh didn't want to admit, you guys, that he wasn't a god. He didn't want to admit that he was absolutely powerless before God Almighty. So when we look at these things, there's a lot for us to cover and discuss tonight. And to be honest with you, I'm praying that we just don't look at this and walk away and think, yeah, Pharaoh was a putz, right? Like that Pharaoh was just a wrong for disobeying God. Was he? Yes, he was. But if that's the most we take away, then I think we're missing the things that the Lord actually wants to show us. Because there's some stuff, like I always say, right? We never go to scripture and look at the person that we would say, oh man, they missed it. Or, oh man, those Pharisees. Or, oh man, those disciples were dumb in this moment. No, I always want to come to scripture and look at it and say, what God are you trying to show me? God, what areas that I maybe am I being dumb? God, what areas are maybe I, maybe am I being so arrogant? Right? God's grace is ready for all of that in all of that, the Holy Spirit wants to show us some things. So I want us to kind of come to this, you guys, and ask God, God, show us areas of our own lives that maybe you want to reveal something. Maybe we're not yielding to you in a certain way or or whatever, but the reality is, you guys, is that there's, there's a freedom that we have to do that because of God's grace and mercy on our lives. As Christians, we should never, ever, ever shy away or be afraid of opening our chest wide to God and saying, examine it, show me, right? Like David, show me if there be any wicked way in me. I think it's a healthy thing. It's a good thing. Now, here's the other cool part though. As we do that, we also have the Holy Spirit that helps us walk in obedience and to grow past those things. Amen. So let's start reading here. Chapter 11, it's only 10 verses. I'm going to say right now that I'm hoping this should be a fairly short message. We'll see. Time me. What time is it? It's 25 after. Let's go. I'll be done by half past. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Verse 1 of chapter 11 says this. And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on the Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So God makes it clear to Moses that there was only going to be one more plague, that this was the final plague. This was going to be God tells us right here, the final straw for Pharaoh. And remember, like I've said before, God has been trying to get Pharaoh's attentions, attention through the first nine plagues. Like, it's not like we just started here. This, we didn't start off in the scorched earth, right? We started off with some little things that were slightly annoying. And then it got kind of progressively worse. And then those last couple now, it's getting more and more and more scorched earth, right? You guys know what I mean by scorched earth, right? Like, just the worst, right? And so God's been slowly ramping this pressure up, trying to get the Pharaoh's attention. And the reality is you guys, and it's something that we need to keep in mind, right? Because there's this passage of scripture and passages like this, a lot of people want to look at God and blame him and be like, how could a good God do that? A good God has been trying to get Pharaoh's attention all this time. And Pharaoh could have at any point relented and he chose not to. God knows what he's doing. But the reality is, you guys, when you believe that you're a God, giving up that delusion can be hard. Don't we see that in all the world around us right now? Wasn't that maybe even true in your own life before you came to Christ? It was for me. Right? Now, we wouldn't have gone around and said, like, I'm a God. (laughs) But the way we act, the way we the way we live our lives, the way we look at others around us in every possible way, really, we think we are in charge and in control of ourselves, right? And it isn't until the Lord allows things in our life that show us, a lot of times, we're not in, in nearly as in control as we think we are, right? And the fact is, we literally don't control anything up to and including the very breath we're breathing in and out right now. We don't control really anything there you go. Have a great night. There it is. But it's the truth, man. In the world around us, we see people that believe that they're in control of their life. And unfortunately, they're not willing to concede to the truth that they control pretty much nothing in their own life. Because when that truth comes to bear, you've got to think and and figure out who is in control of your life, right? And that's where Jesus steps in. But God in the process of this, was telling Moses something very interesting here, too. Notice that this time, God didn't tell Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him what's going to happen. What did he say? He told Moses, he said, go and stand before all the people. This means literally all the Jews, but also any Egyptians that are around that were in earshot, right? Like, But he's telling everyone in Goshen, he's he's there and he's he's telling everybody, hey, go and ask your neighbor, for their gold and their silver. Kind of weird, isn't it? (laughs) Go and ask your neighbor for all their gold and silver. And here's the interesting part. What do we read? Verse three, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Isn't that interesting? So God says this weird thing, like go and ask him for gold and silver. It's almost like he's preparing them, right? And we were told that way back when, before Moses even came in, he told him, he's like, you guys are going to be leaving and you're going to have, you know, you're going to be stocked full. You're going to have everything that you brought plus then some, right? But we see here Moses, he tells him this stuff, and we see that the people of Egypt, the general population of Egypt, was much more sympathetic to the Jews than the Pharaoh was, which is interesting, isn't it? You guys understand and see how sometimes the political system of a country can be very, very drastically different than what the actual people think? I think I don't have to draw that conclusion too, too clearly, do I? So we, we don't have to look very far to, here to see that like the people of Egypt realize, man, these Jews, they're getting the raw end of the deal. There's something happening here that's not right. And so they gave of their stuff, they gave it to them. But also we see that Moses was revered in the land. Even you guys, by the people in Pharaoh's court. Why? Well, think about this. Moses had gone to the... Pharaoh, how many times, right? All these different times and said, hey, this is what's going to happen. Let my people go. And what did Pharaoh say? No. And then that thing happened. And then Pharaoh said, please take this away. And then Moses prayed and it went away. Do you understand why the people looked at Moses and said, wow, this guy's got some authority. This guy's got some power. And even the people in the Pharaoh's court were like, when their God when Moses is God, says he's going to do something, it happens. And when it gets taken away, Moses, Moses is God is the one that does it, like Moses is the guy. So even they realized that there was something different about Moses, you guys. He stuck out like a sore thumb compared to all of the wizards of the Egyptians, and he stuck out like a sore thumb compared to every other person in Egypt. And can I just say this about us? I want us to stick out like a sore thumb. I do. I do. Now, we're not Moses. God isn't going to tell us to go drop a plague on Dover, thank God, right? But the truth is, you guys, just like Moses was a person that knew God and spoke about God to others, we can be a people. We are a people, you guys, that know God. Are we speaking about God to others? Just like we uh, are, you know, or that Moses was a person that looked and lived differently compared to everyone around him, you guys, same thing with us. We can look and live differently than those around us. So I'm not saying be like Moses, but in a way I am. Stick out like a sore thumb. Don't look like everyone else around you. Don't kowtow and play along. But also, can I encourage you guys? We don't ever really see Moses arguing and fighting and picketing and doing all the other things that the American church likes to do either. He just lived his life, waited on God's direction, and walked in it. I think there's a lesson here for us. So let's keep reading. Verse 4. Verse 4 says, Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sits in his, on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. So God told Moses to announce what was going to happen in the hearing of all the people. So he's there, he tells all of them, look, this is something that was not, you know, necessarily kept secret from the Pharaoh and his court, but he also didn't go to Pharaoh and tell him, right? He just announces it to everybody that could hear. So I'm sure it made it to Pharaoh's ears quickly. But the fact is, some of the previous plagues, we know that Moses said specific, or he was, Moses was told to go and tell him, but this one is just something that's just going to happen. But here's the cool part. God is making it clear through Moses to anyone that would listen. And I need you guys to remember this. Do you remember that God had told Moses that this is exactly the way this was going to go before he even went into Egypt? Flip over with me to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, verse 21. This is Moses after the burning bush. He goes back to Jethro, right? His father-in-law and he says, hey, I need to go to Egypt and see Uh, what's going on back there. And then in verse 21, says, And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. God made it clear before Moses even entered Egypt that this was going to be the final straw. This was going to be the thing that he would do if he didn't let his people go. And that's a key word, if. Now, did God know that he wouldn't? Of course he did. God knew that. But do you understand the grace and mercy that God continually poured out over and over and over again on the Pharaoh? Guys, this wasn't just going to be either Pharaoh's child. It wasn't just going to be the firstborn of Pharaoh. It was going to be the firstborn child of every Egyptian person from Pharaoh and all of his top echelon people to literally the simplest and poorest female servant, all of them. All of them were going to lose their firstborn child. Why? Because of the pride and the hubris of one man. God is continuing in this, you guys, to come against the pantheon of false gods. We've been talking about that with everyone, right? We see this Egyptian God that was kind of brought to bear, like the fact that like the Egyptians had to look and be like, man, our God is powerless compared to Yahweh. This is no different, you guys. This God that got that that this face false god that God was coming against here was actually a goddess, right? It was Isis. You guys ever hear of Isis? Not the terrorist organization. Isis, the goddess, was actually kind of gross. It was the sister and the wife of the false god Osiris. That's disgusting. But she her job, you guys, was to protect children from harm and death. God used this plague to show that worshiping her was absolutely worthless, just like he showed Seth and Ra and every other god to be completely worthless. This plague didn't just include all the firstborns, uh, children from each family, though. Did you guys also notice that it also included the firstborn of every animal in Egypt? Every animal that was an Egyptian animal, Egyptian-owned animal, would lose its firstborn. So, need you to hear this. We already see that we've got this complete decimation already, right? Through all the locusts and the frogs and the right, everything that's happened already, all the darkness and just, you know, everything just destroyed. There was nothing left, really. And yet, we see that even after the horrible blow to the economy through the fruits and the grains and the vegetables and the green, basically every green thing is gone. Now, even the animals are going to suffer, so what is the animals to them? Supply of meat, milk, right? Animals bring a lot of different things. They're also workforce. When you're losing the firstborn, you're literally losing the next generation. So this is something that's going to impact them for a long, long time. It's, it's crazy to watch it. God brought Pharaoh to his knees economically, socially, and how? why do I say socially? Well, it's clear since all the Egyptians were giving up their gold and silver that they were not in agreement with Pharaoh on this. They, they didn't agree with the Pharaoh. They were not happy with the direction the Pharaoh was going. For obvious reasons, they're suffering all these things because of the Pharaoh. He brought Pharaoh to his knees physically. He had to suffer through all those plagues as much as everybody else did. And he brought him to his knees emotionally. I want you guys to think about this. What is about to happen? He's going to lose his son. Think about this. Pharaoh, a God, quote unquote. Little g, God. His son, little g, God, that's going to take the reins. And God, Yahweh, took him out. This wasn't just something that was going to affect him in this moment, you guys. I mean, I praise God that I never had to endure that, but I can't imagine losing a child. But the reality is, is I'm sure that's something that sits with you for years to come. Maybe for the rest of your life, right? I mean, this is something that God is bringing Pharaoh to his knees. Why? Because he is so prideful, so arrogant that he's not willing to submit Verse 7. It says, But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue. That sounds weird. Against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these, your servants, shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out and all the people who follow you. After that, I will go out. And then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. So just as we had seen in these previous plagues, you guys, the Jews, some of the previous plagues, we see that the Jews are not going to lose not one of their children or of their livestock. None of their stuff is going to be touched. Now, we're going to look at next week, there had to be some effort put forth for that to happen, right? We're going to look at excuse me, the idea of the Passover, and we're going to look at the, the, the things that they had to do in order for that to be true for them. But, and I need you to hear this, they had to put some effort to it, but what was their effort? Their effort was done in faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. So there's always this element of faith, even in the Old Testament, we see it throughout. Abraham stepped out in what? Faith. Moses is walking in faith, right? We see that even here, there's this faith that they have to put in to this For it to be true. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But I want to talk a little bit about this phrase, a dog not moving its tongue against man or beast. A little weird, isn't it? It's a little bit of an odd statement. Here's what it literally means. It means that a dog wouldn't sharpen its tongue against man or beast. That doesn't really help us, does it? What does it mean? It means this. Not even other animals of Egypt, not even dogs or any other animal would bite or harm or even bark at any of the Jews. That's what it means. It means that there's going to be such a peace and tranquility within Goshen, within where the Jews are, that there will not be one animal that's even going to be slightly cross with the Jews. There will be a peace that is supernatural within that. And I need you to think about this. What's God saying? I'm going to have this oasis, this refuge of peace in utter chaos and decimation all around. Egypt is losing the firstborn of every livestock, the firstborn of every child. There's going to be wailing like has never been heard before. And yet in Goshen, there's peace. Think about this. Think about it in light of the fact that the other plague, whenever the darkness fell over Egypt, you guys, and yet we see that it didn't fall over Goshen. And so imagine Goshen walking around in the daylight, going about their business, getting their grain, doing their thing, living their life, and everyone else is sticking in their house because they can't see anything, including the light in their house wouldn't work. Everything was supernaturally dark in Egypt, but in Goshen, it was like this wide open thing that was no big deal think about the darkness and the light, now think peace and chaos. It's a similar principle. God is drawing a line. He's making a distinction. God is making it clear that he is with his people, that there would be nothing for them to fear through this absolutely devastating plague. Charles Spurgeon had this to say about this section. He said, the Lord hath put a difference between those who are his people and those who are not. There are many distinctions among men which will one day be blotted out, but permit me to remind you at the outset that this is an eternal distinction. I love that line. It goes along with what we talked about Sunday. People of Israel are God's chosen people. That is a distinction that will never not be drawn, even in heaven. Now, we're all following Christ, so we're grafted in. But there's still something special about the people of God. It's beautiful. God has made a covenant and he's going to keep his covenant. God has made a covenant through the blood of Christ with us and he's going to keep our covenant. We're good. It's beautiful, you guys. Furthermore, God makes it clear that after this plague, all of Egypt, not just the Pharaoh, all of Egypt is going to want them to leave. Just like God had asked Pharaoh to allow from the very beginning. Verse nine, I told you tonight's message was going to be short. It says, but the Lord said to Moses, "Pharaoh will not heed you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt." And so Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his hand, out of his land. So this kind of end part of this verse is kind of referring to all this whole time, right? Because we've just been told that they will be leaving after this this particular plague, but what's he saying? Even when they're leaving, Pharaoh's not going to be happy about it. You get what he's getting at? He's not going to want you to go, but he's just going to let you go because he's like I can't endure anymore. Like he submitted, but not really in his heart. That's what God's trying to say. And so we see here one of the reasons, I think, that God didn't bother to warn Pharaoh in this one, because his heart, you guys, was completely hardened to what God was saying. We see four times in these, last, in these last chapters that we've been covering, four times that God's it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Do you guys realize that we also see seven times that it says that Pharaoh either started with a stony heart and then continued to make it more hard towards God? And so I think this is just God allowing what was already happening in Pharaoh's heart because again, let's get back to this. And I need us to get our head around this because Pharaoh is not that much different than many, many people in the world today. And guess what? God is capable of softening a a stony, stony heart. So no one is beyond, but at the same time, there are people that will continually choose and choose and choose and choose until the day they die. I mean, the fact is, you guys, there will be people in hell. There already are, and there will continue to be. Why? Because some people just don't want to submit. Now, Christian, I think that pretty much means nothing to us. Do you know why? We don't know who those people are. And so it should never stop us from scattering seed. Amen? And that's a blessing. Think about this. If Bonhoeffer would have had an opportunity to share Christ with Hitler? I think he would have. And I think it would have been to Bonhoeffer's benefit. Does that make sense? Did Hitler have a stony heart? Looks like it. (laughs) Right? Was Hitler beyond saving? No. No. And I picked this drastic example because, guys, We have people all around us right now that maybe are on drugs or maybe are dealing with, you know, alternative lifestyles and maybe have all this stuff going on. And you know what? God loves them the same way he loves you and me. And he wants for them to know about the love of Christ. And the only way they're ever going to know is through us. It's important, you guys. Let God deal with their stony heart. You do the job that you've been given, which is to go out into the world, tell people about Jesus, and live your life for Christ. There was nothing we see here, and God knows this. There was nothing that was going to change Pharaoh's heart by going and telling him, hey, you're going to lose your son. That wasn't going to change Pharaoh's heart. So, again, God wasn't being ungracious. God wasn't being this hard God. No, he was just saying, man, I've, I've poured, out poured out and 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 poured out over and over and over, trying to get your attention. He brought me to this. I think it's sad. It breaks my heart. Doesn't it break yours? How often do we look out into the world and see people just walk and you're like, man, like, I I know I've prayed with people even in my own life, friends of mine and even some relatives and I'm like, oh God, I, I pray that that's the bottom. I pray this time in jail is your bottom. And then they get out and they go right back to the drugs and you're like... Apparently, it's not the bottom. You got further down to go. I have prayed for people that I just look at, and you're like, you're so full of pride and so full of arrogance. And the fact is, you guys, before I got saved, guess what? People were praying for me too. Praying that I had hit bottom when I got arrested. Praying that I had hit bottom whenever I came home drunk. And thankfully, my bottom wasn't that far down, apparently. God got a hold of me. I praise God for that, because I could have gone a lot lower you guys, we don't know where people's bottoms are, but at the same time, guess what? We also don't know when they're going to get I love, Dave, if you don't mind me, the way you always say, you know, that you're on an elevator. And if you're going down on the elevator, you can choose at any floor to get off the elevator, (laughs) but it's your choice to get off. You can just keep riding down and it's not a fun ride. And you're not enjoying it, but you can stay on the elevator or you can get off the elevator. And I always love that analogy, you guys. We don't know when people are going to get off the elevator. And guess what? I want to be a person at every floor that's like, hey, do you know about Jesus? Run down to the next floor. Dude, for real. (laughs) Don't go any further down. Right? Right? I'm not getting on the elevator with them, but I'm going to be at every floor trying to get their attention. So here's the deal. I want to spend some time tonight and we have plenty of time and that was intentional. <laughs> Listen, we're going to take communion tonight, but before we get to communion, I want to take like 10 or 15 minutes you guys and I want to as a way of preparing our hearts for communion, I want to pray for our world. This is you if you were at Vision Sunday, you're going to know where I'm coming from with this. This is the same thing I've asked the church to pray at 5.14 a.m. or p.m. Pray for our world, you guys. I want to ask God to enter into our world in each and every country, and especially you guys in those countries that are very, very against God. I want to see God moving as he already is. I want to see it exploding. I want to see you know, Islamic nations become Christian nations. I want to see Christian nations, you guys, like Kenya, get more on fire for the Lord. I want to pray for our world. I want to pray for our country, you guys. We are known as a Christian nation, but I don't think we are. Now, that could be debated. It doesn't really matter. Do you know what I do know? Whether we are or whether we are not, we have plenty of people that are not Christians in our nation. (laughs) People that need Jesus. I want to pray for that. And I want to pray for our seacoast area. I want to ask God to just pour out, to bring revival here in Dover and in our seacoast area. And I want to ask that God would do that and bring about an awakening in us as Great Bay Calvary to take these hard hearts of many and soften them. And do you know where that starts, you guys? Right here with us. It starts with us. I want to ask the Holy Spirit in tonight. And I'm going to ask my brother Steve to start us off, but I just want to seek God together. And Let's take a few minutes, you guys. I want to seek God together. Now, another thing I want to ask too, as we pray those things, and you can do this out loud if you want, I'm going to ask Steve to start us and I'm going to finish this. But if anybody wants to pray in between, just feel free to pray out. The other thing I want to do, though, as we prepare our hearts for this, is this. There are many people out in the world today that are a lot like Pharaoh, that haven't gotten to the bottom of their pride and their arrogance and their sin and all their detrimental actions. But the reality is, you guys, I think if we examine our own hearts, there may be areas of our own lives that maybe we haven't gotten to the bottom of our pride and our arrogance, Maybe how we view others that have a different political leaning. Maybe how we view others that maybe live differently than us, or maybe are homosexual, or maybe have a drug addiction, or maybe have things in their lives that maybe are so outwardly facing and obvious that you just don't want to be around them or you judge them. You guys, Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus never condoned the sin, but he never didn't hang out with the sinners. I'm thankful for that. So I think we all have areas of our lives that we can go to God and say, oh Lord, get me to the bottom of myself. Help me to see people the way you see them. I want us to ask God to use us to speak life and love and truth into the lives of the many that are all around us, day by day, at our workplaces, in our families, at the coffee shops, in the restaurants, wherever we are. Pray that God would do a work in us. Amen. So, Steve, if you would, would you just start us off and we'll just spend 10 or 15 minutes and just spend some time in prayer quietly or if you feel like the Lord's laying it on your heart, man, just pray out. Thank you for this. The fact, Lord, that we have the freedom to come here and to pray, to seek your face like this. Lord there are so many countries that don't have that freedom and Lord they they take advantage of it anyway God they still spend time and they still Lord come together in in uh so many countries Lord like China and Iran Lord secretly God I thank you that we have the freedom here to do this openly but God I'm asking Lord would you would you God just continue the work that you're doing in these countries that are against you God to just continue to grow and father to to for the church to just thrive there lord for people to see the truth of the gospel message god lord i pray that over the entire world lord we do ask lord would you bring revival would you revive your people would you revive lord your church worldwide god we are all in need of more of you holy spirit lord we need your power God, we need your courage. God, we need just so many things, Lord. Just as has been prayed, Lord, we bring nothing. Lord, we need everything from you. Lord, we can't even obey you without you. God, I pray for lives that are submitted. Lord, not out of fear of some retribution, Lord, but also not out of a desire for some... Extra star up in heaven, Lord. No, just because it's our reasonable service to just serve you with our whole lives, to give our entire lives over to you. God, I pray, Father, for our country. God, we are so divided. Father, would you bring unity in the name of Jesus? Would you bring people to the realization that all of the things that we argue and fight over are so worthless eternally? Would you help us as your church, Lord? And I say specifically, Lord, to Great Bay Calvary, Father, would you help us to see people the way you see them? Lord, I ask if there be anyone in our church or anyone here tonight, even Lord God, that just struggles with certain lifestyles or struggles, Lord, to um, not feel anger or judgment or whatever towards other people. Lord, I'm asking, Father, would you help us to see the sin for what it is? Yes, Lord, and speak truth in love. But God, not to look at the person and think anything less than a child of God. Because, Lord, that is what every one of us are. We are children created by you to bring you glory. And, Lord, we're so skewed and so messed up, and we all need you. But, Lord, even us that have accepted the work that you did, that those that are grafted in, Lord, we are not special. We are not better than, Lord. We just know where the bread is. We just are beggars, God, still in need of a Savior, Lord. And we know where the Savior is, Lord. We know that it's only found in Christ. Help us to be people that stop looking around us and thinking less than and be people, Lord, that start looking around and seeing opportunity Lord, seeing a harvest that's ready to be harvested. And God, you're the only one that's going to ever harvest it. God, help us to reap, help us, help us, God, to to sow, Lord, and to reap when you, Holy Spirit, lead us to those places, Father, to be able to minister and, 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 and speak into the lives of others. God, have your way in us. Bring us to a place, Lord, that we care so much less about ourselves and so much more about you and others. Lord, I believe at that moment, that's when revival is going to begin. Teach us, grow us, help us, God. We need you. Our country is in need of you, God. The Seacoast area in Dover needs you, God. Give us wisdom. Help us, Lord. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.